Hi, Damien Marcus from 100 Not Out here. MP. Yes, Damo. We all know the importance of having a diary, but who wants a boring old day planner? Not me. Enter the journey of me. Ta-da! The incredible eight-month wellness journal designed especially for wellness peeps like you. Yes, Damo. This beautiful eight-month wellness guide is filled with questions, planners, exercises, reflective notes, and more. Endorsed by the Up For A Chat girls and loved the world over, the journey of me is a must-have if you're ready to live your best life for life. To purchase your very own journey of me and receive a free set of inspirational postcards, simply enter the code COUCH at www.wellandnew.com. That's www.wellineux.com. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to A Quirky Journey, the healthy family podcast with your hosts, Joe Witten and Leah Follett. Welcome to A Quirky Journey. Join us as we share our family's journeys to good health. You'll find plenty of inspiration, tips and recipe ideas, as well as stories from everyday people who've struggled and overcome health problems and diet challenges in their own families. I'm Jo Witten, author of the blog and book Quirky Cooking, and today I have with me Mary McKenzie from Good Mood Food. Hi, Mary. Hi, Jo. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, I'm excited to talk to you again. We had a great time doing the podcast last time your story was absolutely fascinating and if anyone listening to this hasn't heard the first podcast with Mary um I'm trying to think what number it was it's about three back yeah <laughs> um it's the it's one with anaphylaxis and allergies that's I think it that's headline. it anaphylaxis and allergies f pies and hope for healing Fresh, yeah. something like that but um there was a lot there was a big mouthful to put in the title there I was trying to make sure that people knew what was on there but it I have had so much feedback from that people just cried when they listened to it Mary yeah it was really good wasn't it it really it was. touched well, I was I was really happy with that yeah. I just think there's so many people with unbe- unbelievably hard lives because of health issues and to give them hope is a really beautiful thing to see that other people have gotten through it and that's and that's why we wanted to do this podcast um, on anxiety and depression because both of our families have had struggles in this area And I get questions all the time from people um, who need help with anxiety and depression and just want to know, is there things you can do with the diet to help? And yes, there definitely is, isn't there? (laughs) Yeah, there is. You know, it's... uh I really believe that hope is all a human being needs to survive is the yeah. door to hope needs to be open. And that's then so um, it doesn't need to be rushed. You can take baby steps. And that's that's what we want to talk about today. So baby steps um, towards healing and getting through anxiety and depression and ways to move forward. Um, even if you're not really thinking of doing full gaps or that's way too overwhelming at first, we're going to talk about ways that you can begin to heal the gut and to um, get through this really rough time. And Mary has definitely been there, and I've been there with my son, Isaac. And, um, yeah, you can make a really big difference. So, um, Mary, do you want to, just because a lot of people may not have heard your first story, do you want to just give a really quick overview about the anxiety, depression side of your story and um, how things are looking now after a couple of years? Sure. Um When I think back uh, to that period of time where I was depressed and suffering from anxiety, um, it was um, it was a more holistic kind of depression and anxiety. It wasn't Mm. 
necessarily because of the way I was eating, although that was a huge contributing factor. Mm -hmm. um, it was that life had gotten on top of me. Definitely. And I think that's usually the way. It's not just food. So, yeah, yeah. And, um, and I know that um, diet um, did make a huge impact on, um, on, on fully healing the anxiety and depression so that it won't come back. Mm -hmm. um, but I did have to go through the process of um, accepting it and acknowledging that I was not well. Um, I had to get diagnosed. I had to um, seek counselling. I had to go on medication. Um, and all of those things were an important part of my journey, and I don't regret them for a moment. Um, mm -hmm. um, I know that there are a lot of people out there who have healed depression and anxiety without the medication, but I certainly wasn't in a position to do that. I was, yeah. was just... And I think we should make that clear right from the start that yeah. um, if you're bad enough that you are not coping at all, you really may have to have medication and we're not yeah, saying. Yeah, and it, no, and it's not something that has to last forever. I was no, on it exactly. for a year from, from the day I started to the day I finished with well, that's, one that's yeah. the, I wanted to, I know that I'm interrupting your story. I'm so no, sorry. No, no, that's okay. It's while I'm thinking of it and while we're on the, um, the issue of medication, I just wanted to say that Isaac had to go onto medication at the start because he was shocking. I did, none of us were coping. And to, no. even for us to have to wait two weeks for the diet to start helping or whatever, was yeah. too much so well, he, yeah and I think, um, my doctor was the one who convinced me to go on medication because mm. I had resisted it through yes. um I'll, I'll go into the details of, of where okay. the medication was but um I'd resisted it after my first pregnancy ah. and I basically went into my second pregnancy still depressed oh, and that's so not good post that birth then it was really really bad yeah. and if I had dealt with it after the first pregnancy it probably wouldn't have been so bad but that was my journey um mm. but my doctor said to me you've got to look at uh the, the state that you're in as if you've got a broken arm and you've put a band-aid on it yeah. to fix it mm. it's not going to fix with a band-aid and the medication was the cast that I put on my broken arm mm -hmm. um, because to be honest I had um heard about gaps yeah. and I knew about gaps for three and a half years before we were actually able to mentally uh Cope do it idea. and that was because I was suffering from depression yeah so um Anything, so, anything like that would be too overwhelming when you're in the depths awkward, of depression. Yeah. I mean, if you can't get out of bed, how are you going to cook gaps for exactly. your Exactly. Um, and so the medication was very, very good for me to heal that yeah. broken arm, that, that um, metaphor of healing um, my mind so that I could get myself into a position where I could cope. Sort of, sort of boosted you up to the position yeah. where you could start healing, wasn't it? Exactly, exactly. That's yeah. exactly it. And um so um, so what happened was for me, um, I think I've had depression before in my lives in my 20s, um, uh, never, ever diagnosed or acknowledged. I just look back on mm. particularly dark periods in my life. Yeah. Um, so I suppose you would say that I had chronic depression um, after, you know, after my 20s, really after I left home and, um, mm. and I stayed back in South Africa and my parents immigrated and there were these big life events that um, yeah. contributed to it um there was also the health things i had some serious health issues i had glandular fever i had to have mm. huge antibiotic um i think it was uh, six months of a very strong antibiotic and um it was for a misdiagnosis and then oh, no. developed chronic fatigue syndrome then i started yeah. having hypoglycemic seizures so you can see that my physical state didn't support a great mental health at a no, time. And people that I know, like my sister and my assistant actually also, um, that have struggled with chronic fatigue and glandular fever, that in itself is very depressing because you want to be able to go and do things and work and you just can't. Absolutely. And you don't really, um, at the time that I had it, there was uh, there was uh, cynicism about it. Mm -hmm. 
it was in my head, um, or there was no relief from it. There was certainly no medication. Nothing you could do. Um, I now, in retrospect, have a huge understanding of chronic fatigue and how yeah. the gut um, is related to that and how the antibiotics contributed to it and yeah. um, all of those things. We'll have um, to do another uh, podcast on that. Oh, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> phenomenal. And chronic fatigue is a really tough one to yeah. heal, but you can absolutely heal from it because I don't think I ever fully recovered from it until GAPS. Yeah. And that was, uh, I remember the day that I started feeling uh, like I wasn't tired at bedtime. Oh, my gosh. What a, wow. What an incredible <laughs> thing to not be tired at bedtime. But, um, <laughs> you know, there was, uh, so there was lots of little red flags that I now can look back on and see where the depression came from, mm. but also where the, um, where the gut health contributed to that depression. And it's all, you know, it was a, a mixed bag of, of, uh, hard things happening in my life as well as yeah. um, medical um, crises, I suppose you would call them. Yeah, and imbalances um, in the yeah. gut and everything else. Yeah, and in my 20s I made some pretty shocking choices for myself physically. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly I drank too much and I was partying really hard when I <laughs> when I left, went to London. You know, uh, yeah, it, it yeah. Was, um, I, I certainly didn't help myself with nutrition. I didn't really know anything about diet and yeah. um, uh, and the seizures got a bit worse, and um, my mental health got a bit worse. And when you say seizures, what do you mean? Did you have so? Those? Yeah, I would have these hypoglycemic um, okay. crashes. Uh, yes. that's, uh, seizures is probably not quite the word, but um, I would literally just feel uh, everything drain. I would hit a, a low blood. I'd have a low blood sugar mm-hmm. incident, yeah. um, and um, if somebody didn't straight away feed me coke straight from a can wow. uh, i would end up comatose and in oh, hospital oh wow yeah it was quite that was full on full on and i, I was i was a bit lost at that time so you must have been on a roller coaster <laughs> and, and making <laughs> lovely bad choice after bad choice you know mm. just uh, vicious circle yeah vicious circle wasn't um uh, uh i just didn't have the maturity to really cope with that kind of a health crisis and mm. anyway and so this carried on, and then um, I met my husband when we were doing a ski season, and he really had a handle on good nutrition, um, and not particularly good nutrition, just better than I was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Real food. <laughs> yeah, not just junk food all the time. And he yeah. helped, um, and that made a huge difference. Just in the first um, year of having known my husband, the seizures stopped just from eating a, a diet that had more fruits and vegetables mm-hmm. in it. Um, I didn't cut anything out. It was just uh, amazing how quickly the body kind of grabs onto that stuff. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we we um, had a had a really good time. We cooked a lot, and we had a good marriage. We did a lot of travel, and my mental health was much better. Still had the chronic fatigue um, in the background. You know, I just didn't have as much energy. We'd go and play tennis, and I could only last one or two games. And yeah. And we started to just think this was just who I was. We um, yeah. stopped thinking about it too hard. And then I felt pregnant. Um, and I had my boy, and um, his health issues um, basically sent me into a real downward spiral of trauma because we had um, this little boy who was so allergic and so um, so sensitive to uh, light and sound. He couldn't sleep. He didn't eat. He um, was just, you know, for a first-time mum, and by my nature, I was fairly happy-go-lucky, but I was also a little bit of a denialist, as we can see from the past. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wanted to see that there was something wrong. And then um, the vomiting, you know, he would vomit so many times during the day, and I still didn't want there to be anything wrong with my precious little bundle. And then um, it eventually just uh, it took me, I suppose, is the best way of saying it. It just took all my serotonin, it, um, and it, it took my, um, my sense of uh, balance, and I mm. became 
highly anxious. I had triggers. If my son vomited, I actually couldn't deal with him. I would leave the room while this child was vomiting. You know, there was some really, um, and and I would be having panic attacks in the other room (laughs) while my child was vomiting. And uh, so it was really, really bad, actually. It's it's funny. I I always tell the story of the day when I really realized there was something quite wrong was when I was sitting in the bottom of a shower, fully dressed with my son. (gasps) With the shower on. Oh my goodness! Crying and crying, and crying because we were both just covered in vomit, just covered, and it was oh, just like you poor thing. Oh, poor me. Oh, that's just <laughs> awful. Well, it was awful, but it and was. How uh, old was he? Uh, he must have been about six months old. So it was when we started him on solids that it really ramped up. The, yeah. Because uh, we knew that he wasn't coping very well on dairy, but when we started him on solids, we started to fail almost every food that we tried, or we'd yeah. pass it for a few days, and then you cook up a huge batch of food and. It'll Only fail it, you know, after you've done all that cooking. <sighs> it was, it was, um, and it just literally the experience of that trauma um, left me um, feeling like the whole, my whole world had been kind of pulled out from under me. Yeah. Because in the past, the she'll be right attitude kind of got me through, you know. Yeah. It's always turned out all right in the end. But when you're a mother and it's your first baby and you just don't know what to do and the doctors don't seem to know what to do either. Mm, that's when it's and, hard. And it's yeah. like you said, Earlier, that if you have hope, you know you have everything. Yeah, when and it's taken away from you. You just plunge down. What was interesting was that I had no hope to give myself because I didn't know what to do, and the doctors didn't give me much hope either. That's there right. was a real, a real absence of hope mm-hmm. in this time, and that's when you really can plunge into quite a dark place, and mm-hmm. um, and you lose perspective. Yeah, and not only do you lose perspective mentally, but I had health issues. So there was nothing in my body to help me to restore perspective no. on a nutritional level or a, you know, a physiological level. I just, uh, I had my wonderful husband who ended up, um, actually, interestingly enough, I ended up going back to work because yeah. I wasn't coping at home and he stopped working. We were living in England at the time. Mm-hmm. He stopped working and came and looked after my son. Um, I had this godly thing happen where um, it was an answered prayer in a very dark time where mm-hmm. the job that I had, um, I was working for Pepsi, PepsiCo in England, and yep. they allowed me to come back full-time but to work from home three days a week and oh. only come to the office two days a week. That's good. I had my husband at home, and there was just this period of settled, you know, this period yeah. of of um, recovery. And I think that's why I managed to deny the depression side uh-huh. of it because I'd found this safe little nest where I was at home with my family but I was working and earning money so I could step away from the trauma. Mm. So this this little fake world that I lived in for six months. Um, and then my son got a lot worse and we made a decision to move back to Australia to get the help that we needed because uh, we, we weren't getting it in the UK under the NHS. It was just difficult to get um, uh, seen by specialists. Mm, um, I have heard and, that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and, it, and I was sick of battling. And, and, and you know, when I could battle if I was mentally well. I think yeah. I could have. But I wasn't mentally well, so how do you battle and That's advocate for your child when you you want to do is curl up in bed? So how exactly. yeah. <laughs> you can't even advocate for yourself, you know? So, um, mm-hmm. so we moved back to Australia, and um, and straight away we got what we needed. We got a diagnosis for Daniel of um, severe al- allergies, uh, mm. epipens, which we'd never had in, in yeah. England. We got um, regular appointments with a top-notch allergist. Mm-hmm. Um, we got him onto a formula. Um, to help him to start regaining weight because he dropped down to the 25th percentile. Mm-hmm. And we got um, counselling for myself, yeah. which was all uh, the things that I needed. So um, 
I got onto the mental health plan here and started seeing a counsellor. Mm-hmm. Um, I was now pregnant with my second child. Um, and funny how the depression and the anxiety came out in different ways. Now it came out in terms of I started to freak out about labour. Uh-huh. I had a tough labour with Danny, but it was, you know, it was tough, um, but it wasn't the worst labour in the world. I, I delivered naturally. I had a water birth. I damaged my pelvis. And so this became now a trigger for uh-huh. me to have these panic attacks and um, as if it was uh, the, the worst thing in the world to imagine myself having to go through that again mm-hmm. um, to the point where in the last month of pregnancy, the doctors could see that I mentally was not coping and they said, do you just want to have a C-section? And I was like, oh, thank you, please. Yes, can I just have a C-section? <laughs> and, you know, um, again, in retrospect, um, at the time, that was the right thing for me to do. Yeah with my mental health. So there's all these things. I advocate natural vaginal birth. I advocate um, making sure your gut bacteria is right for that. But at the time that I was pregnant with my daughter, that was the right thing for me to do. It was survival mode. Yeah, and um, (laughs) it was. And it was was another moment where I thank God, you know, that that option was available to me. A a social medical system where I didn't have, we didn't have the money to pay for a C-section. So I have an elective C-section through Medicare mm. um, to save my mental health. And it was brilliant. And then, um, again, entered this little bubble of a world with Edie where it was um, lovely for six months. Okay. And then there was this moment when um, when Edie was six months old. We were going to Morton Island for a holiday and we were about to get on the ferry and my mum came over to our car window and told me that my brother and my my brother's um, wife had just had their 20-week scan for their second child and had found out that the baby probably wasn't going to survive. Mm. And I had nothing. Uh, that was when I had my crash. That was when I had mm-hmm. my proper, proper crash. I had nothing to deal with that, no resources to yeah. cope with the idea of a baby not surviving yeah. out of the womb. And, um, and that was when I felt... On that ferry, I felt my knees just give way. I felt everything disappear. I had nothing left. And that was when real proper debilitating depression set in. Um, And it was was, um, probably the worst thing I've ever experienced in my life. It was like a darkness where there's no light. It was like the color was no longer in the sky or the leaves Mm -hmm. on the trees. There was nothing in the world to be happy about. And I think... When you think about depression, you think about there's this, if you think about this line, a straight line, and we have waves where sometimes we go above that line and sometimes we go below that line. Mm. But we generally stay around that line um, of of life and happiness and content and ups and downs. I was having the same waves, the same up and down waves, but I was about three meters below that line. My highest moments weren't even the lowest moments most people are having on a daily basis. My highs were still lower than most people's lows and my lows were as low as Mm. human. And um, uh, it was was very scary. It was was a good wake-up call because now it was time to be medicated. And now it was I have two children to look after and I'm not. That's the thing, isn't it? That's the scary thing. Exactly, yeah. And and I understood the physiological side of it, that actually my serotonin had always been so borderline and now it just disappeared. Yeah. Yeah, and it disappeared. I just want to go back to the story about my brother and (laughs) 
she you've never seen a baby so prayed over as this child she was born and she survived 10 days um, out of the womb but it gets better (laughs) then she wouldn't give up this little baby just wouldn't give up she wasn't even supposed to survive two hours outside the womb they ended up um, operating on her heart she turned four last week. Oh, my week. goodness, that's so happy. <laughs> she's a little miracle baby. And she has, just, she's got some little developmental delays that, um, that are probably difficult for her mum, you know, to, yeah. to have to work through. But I think everyone Nothing just. Nothing like what thinks, they would have had to work through. No, she's a love. And they said she wouldn't walk and she's walking. Uh, they said she'd never talk. And at the moment she's signing. So she's perfectly cognizant. She can sign. And, and, oh, and that's amazing. Pay. Um, anyway, so that was a nice outcome. It's <laughs> good. Yeah. Anyway, so then I went on the medication and straight away I felt the anxiety lift um, and it was brilliant and it gave me a year and I started to get my head around food now because my son was now deteriorating at a rapid rate mm. and losing all safe foods and um, living on formula. And so um, I knew I had to do something. And this is the point that I wanted to make. Somebody had given me that GAPS book when my son was – 18 months old and we'd just come back from England Mm. and I read it and I knew it was true. I knew it. And I also put it down because I knew there was no way I could do that. Mm. No way. And now that I was feeling better and like I had climbed out of the chasm, even though I was still camped on the banks of that chasm and looked down (laughs) to it every now and then, um, I started to see that potentially we could do this. And we did our, we did baby steps with him because there's that whole question of how do you feel it? How do you feed a child that is allergic to everything? Yeah. Feed them food that they're yeah. allergic to. You know, yeah, we, we learned through other mums who'd been through it about starting with a drop of broth. That mm-hmm. was yeah. our um, start. And we noticed immediate healing just from introducing broth. And then, um, and this I could cope with, you know, this I could yeah. cope with. Anyway, and then our journey went on to us going on to GAPS um, mm-hmm. intro. Um, we did six months of uh, six weeks, six weeks of intro, and then moved on to full gaps. And the healing that came was just out of this world. Yeah. But the amazing thing was, I felt myself. I always talk about it like this. I had my tent camped on the side of this black chasm, mm-hmm. and I was safe. I was in my tent, but I was looking down into this chasm, and I was worried. Yeah. This is metaphoric, but I was worried that at night I might roll off. Mm-hmm. To the chasm, you know what I mean? It was like this constant reminder that that it was still right there and it could take me at any time. Yeah. When we did gaps, I picked up my tent and I picked up my sleeping bag <laughs> and I hiked 10 freaking kilometers away from that chasm. <laughs> <laughs> and I have never, ever been near or even seen any hint of it since. Wow. So it was this um, healing that happened through the medication, mm-hmm. but then there was this whole other level of healing yeah. that happened when my body when I went through the process, the difficult process of healing an adult body mm. using the GAPS protocol that I know I'm pregnant now for the third time. Yeah. I hope to be able to come back to when this baby is born and yes. a year old and say to you, look what I did. I didn't yes. get stressed. I My know. child is allergic. We have this wonderful health. We hope so too. Yeah, I have, and I really I feel that I feel different. Yeah. Oh, you must. Yeah, so. um, what one of the 
one of the people that I've interviewed on the podcast is Dr. Oscar Serilac. Have you heard that podcast interview? Oh, it's natal depletion. Yeah. <laughs> I had that. Yes. Oh, you definitely had that. And if yeah. anyone's listening and has sort of been in the same boat with all the postnatal depression and everything, you desperately need to listen to that podcast. It is so good. It is and so good. And one leads to the other. Depletion. It does. And the thing that I found interesting too is a lot of people think um, postnatal depression is straight after having a baby, but it, it's it's something that can build up and the um, peak time is four years after having a baby. Oh, it just blows my mind. And people you know, think, well, that's just not related. Well, it is. You're so depleted and it's just getting worse and worse. You've got to heal you, the body. If you don't replete, like he said, yeah. what do you expect will happen? You know, there's, exactly. there's a... Um, scientific um, pathway that you are on that if you are depleted and you don't replete those minerals and yeah Mm. so much sense and the thing is like you said you were already really unwell with all the chronic fatigue and all the you know the bad diet and the drinking and the stress and everything to have a baby on top of that your body would have just been like oh my goodness what is she doing to me (laughs) exactly I think my body did it gave me a kick in the butt it was like seriously you know, get me well first. <laughs> in the Native American cultures, they advocate. I think it's four years between each baby. Wow. Yeah, and I always used to think, well, that's just doesn't suit our culture because we all wait till our thirties till we have our babies, and then we. That's true. Yeah, a lot three. of people just pump them out quickly, and okay, yeah. done now, over with, and then mum is wrecked for ten years. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Get it done with. Oh yeah. wow! So, um, if you could talk about what you did to begin um, some of the things, you like you said to me about putting one foot in front of another and doing what you can little by little yeah. and giving yourself time to get well. Have you got some tips for people who who feel very overwhelmed in their depression and anxiety and don't know where to begin, gaps is too much? What's some yeah. small steps yeah. that they can begin to take? The first bit of advice that I would give has nothing to do with food. It has to do with time. Yeah. And my advice would be don't put a time scale on your healing. Oh, don't, that's so true. Don't say, I'm going to start tomorrow. The mm-hmm. amount of pressure you're putting on yourself yeah. to cut out an enormous amount of foods and to bring in an enormous amount of foods that you aren't used to cooking, mm-hmm. um, that can become so overwhelming that you never start. Yes. So um, my we'll start and then give up very quickly. Oh, yeah, because it's too much. It's just too, too much. much, especially if your mental health isn't right. Mm-hmm. So um, when I'm coaching people, I always say to them, and you get a lot of people who just don't want to do it, but they know they have to do it, but they don't want to do it. And mm-hmm. there's this beautiful saying that says, Change usually only ever happens when it becomes more difficult to stay where you are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so when you've reached that point, and and for some people I'd say try and change before you reach that point because that point's really hard and horrible. Mm. But don't feel like. Well, it's uh, pretty much human nature, isn't it? <laughs> it is such human nature. But I have, I have friends who um, have watched our journey and haven't even really needed to do it and yet have introduced just one little thing over a period of two years they've taken um, and suddenly their child isn't having such severe asthma anymore or, yeah. they, um, you know, there's um, no more bloated tummies that mm-hmm. they notice, like little tiny symptoms that you wouldn't think you'd need to overhaul your whole diet for, yeah. where if you just just change one thing once a month or yeah. one once every six months depends on what you can cope with mm-hmm. um, look at it like a life a, a, a life journey you know just one yeah. of those things that you want to experiment with that you don't have to um put the pressure on yourself to mm. to do what like 
what some you know some people do like don't even look at it like you have to do what we did we yeah. had to do it because our son was so sick gonna, yeah he wasn't gonna make it really um so we did what we had to do because that was our change had come you know our time mm-hmm. for change had come but um i always say to people um start with broth yeah simple as that get used to cooking it um experiment with it do you like to cook the um the meat with the bones or do you just like to cook the bones and um just start by having a tablespoon of broth a day Mm -hmm. you know um and freeze it so that you've got some there for the next time you think oh i might try that again um and just experiment with it until um you'll find that your body will respond to broth it's an incredible thing i've had friends experiment with broth who were incredibly skeptical about the health benefits of it. And my friend came to me and she said, I didn't know I was anxious until I've realized that the anxiety is lifting. Wow. She was having a, by that stage, a cup of broth every day. And, um, you know, I think we all live with anxiety and depression. Yeah, we do in, in, in our stressful society. It's sort of something that it's that cloudiness, even it might not be panic attacks, but it can just be that, dull cloudy feeling that kind of detached you know under you've had your you've had your marriage you've had your children and you're still not quite Mm. happy you know what I mean what's that attached feeling about and um and sometimes that's anxiety you know Mm -hmm. that's um and I just um I feel that we've all as a society we've come to accept so many things as normal Mm. aren't normal they're common sure they're common but they're not normal yeah I agree. To this habit of believing, oh, because everyone else is kind of going through the same thing, that it must be normal. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff our society goes through these days that's not, not normal. normal. And sometimes you only actually realize it's not normal once you've healed from it. That's <laughs> which, right. That's right. I've, amazing. It's like when you get glasses and you go, I mean, my daughter experienced this. She went to the end of grade two without us realizing she needed glasses and she couldn't actually see the blackboard. Oh, and um, she was just like, you know, the leaves on the trees and she just couldn't believe the difference. But you don't know that until you get the glasses. <laughs> it's like the best metaphor I've ever heard because sometimes <laughs> doing gaps and just doing the basics, bringing in some healing foods rather than concentrating on what you have to take out, which everyone freaks out about taking mm. out grains in particular. Everyone freaks out about that for yeah. good reason. Grains are tasty. <laughs> just bringing in a couple of the healing foods, it's like putting on glasses when your eyesight hasn't yeah. been and you suddenly see the world through new eyes. And that, um, what I've seen happen so often is people who are dead against um, doing gaps, but mm. they really want some healing. So they bring in broth, and then when they get a handle on broth, they feel better, and so they're like, okay, well, maybe I'll try the sauerkraut next. You know? Yes. They start from <laughs> And within within a year or two, they're full gaps without even having realized. Yeah, they're just they were heading n- naturally starting to eat very traditional foods, very healing foods, nutrient-dense, get yeah. rid of the fluff and fillers, and then you're pretty much doing gaps. <laughs> and then your body, your body starts to kind of tell you what it needs, and yeah. you start to notice that when you eat – uh, pasteurized dairy for example mm. your mood drops yeah and so you start to think well maybe i'll cut that out you know mm. this period could take five years it could take three months it's, it depends on on you and your um ability and your your mental health but yeah um uh, it's really it's it's about having a conversation with your body again mm. Which we've all stopped having. Yeah. I think we should too mention with medication, don't give yourself a time for I'm going to be off it by this time. I don't know. What do you think? It's just. No, I agree 100%. My son, like when he went on, I was really 
I mean, we were so bad, things were so bad, he had to go on it. There was no way out of it. Yeah. yeah. But I was determined he was going to be off it by six months. I didn't want him to be on it, you know, and I was just like, and we got to the end of the six months and I was like, come on, Isaac, you need to get off it. And he's like, and he just cried and he's like, I'm so scared, I'm so scared, I can't do it. I, I'm frightened that I'm going to go right. Like you said, camping on the edge of that abyss, he was so scared he was going to go dropping straight back down into it. And I thought he would be ready by then because we'd done so much healing with the food side of things and, the, you know, the psychologist had just raved about how quickly he'd moved through all the stages and he was doing so well and but no he wasn't ready wasn't ready and yeah. um it's been a year and he's just coming off it now and he's he's ready to come off it now and he's made that decision himself I've pulled back a bit I've encouraged him you know you don't yeah. want to be it on it you have your to life. give them that choice you and do. it was this you know what's interesting Joe is what you say is exactly what I did and you know mm. I give all the advice in the world about not putting time scales on it but I put a timescale for myself on mm. getting medication. I put a timescale on how long I was willing to do intro. Yeah. Put a timescale on how long I was willing to do gaps. Yeah. And I only learned the lesson on the third go, which was <laughs> gaps. We um, we started trying to wean ourselves off by introducing potatoes and starches. Mm-hmm. And there was no allergic reactions, which was brilliant. Yeah. Um, but there was a general slide back into symptoms yeah. of like coughing and vomiting. And it's such mm. a lesson in life to just let go of yeah. control these outcomes. Don't push it, yeah. And and it's frustrating too when you see other people who yeah. seem to be going quicker than you and it's like, well, how come I can't go off it yet? Why can't I have dairy yet? Why can't That's I it. have ghee? And then yeah. it's just so frustrating and you just want to push it. But It's interesting because I think what you're doing when you use those words in your head are you're reintroducing hopelessness. Because mm. you start to say, well, I'm never going to heal. This was a waste of time. We shouldn't yeah. have done this. This was the wrong journey. Yeah. But it's got nothing to do with that. All it's got to do with is time yeah. and relinquishing control and just – taking your baby steps, putting your head down, bum up and carrying on yeah. with your journey. And not and looking at, you know, what's other, the time limit, but just yeah. what's today. Let's focus what, on yeah, today. What are we eating today? What are we eating today? And, you know, um, and it's so funny because we deteriorated a little bit when we tried to introduce potatoes and sourdough. Mm-hmm. And it took us one week to get back to where we were. So um, my son, as soon as we started doing that, he started to cough on eggs again. And I was oh. like, then the old trauma comes back because that's a trigger, yeah, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Scary. Like, oh, my gosh, he's still allergic. What have we done? All oh, this has been for a waste. And I went back to the GAPS website and I read the FAQs and mm-hmm. they said, they're good, aren't they? Oh, they're so good. And she, she just puts it so simply. She says, if a child's symptoms are regressing, their microbiome is regressing. Mm. So what do you do when the microbiome is regressing? You pump up the probiotic foods and you yeah. pump up the broth. And yeah. so we did that for one week. I mean, I was picturing us having to go back to repeat intro. No, that's, that's what scares me. <laughs> but for one week we pumped everything up and suddenly the eggs are back on the table and oh. everything's fine and the coughing stopped and, oh, my goodness. So oh, that's a, that's a relief. <laughs> <laughs> and it's such a good thing to keep in mind when you've, when you've been on the full journey. Mm. Symptoms, if you're regressing, then the microbiome is regressing. <laughs> it's such a simple answer. So, and it's... I think also my kids, they often want to know, they're like this in all areas, you know, they want to know schedule, what's happening this week, what's happening today, how long are we on gaps for, what, you know, they want to know timings, but it's trying to teach them also that we just are going day by day, one step at a time, I don't know how long this is going to take, most people take one to two years, but we're just not worrying about a time limit, Yeah, you know, we're yeah. just working on getting well and living well and 
eating well and we're not going to worry about a time limit. <laughs> in the beginning, it was only by applying a time limit that I could get the kids. That's to true. Do. That's true. If you give them a hope, I suppose, and I think that that yeah. did help at the start. You're right. But, but now they, it's more. They, they come on the journey with you of learning to relinquish control. You yeah, know? that's what it is. They see the regression and they see that they actually now it's easy. We eat this way. This is just how we eat and they that's love right. it. That's right. Yeah. And that's what I've said to them. Yes, eventually you will be able to add some other things back in. Yeah. And they're looking forward to sourdough. <laughs> yeah, I know sourdough is the <laughs> Sourdough pancakes, that's the one that helps. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's kind of the. Yeah, they're, they're sort of coping a lot better with – because full gaps, like we were talking earlier, I think, before we started recording, yeah. when you've done intro, full gaps is heaven. It's just like, <laughs> so oh, much it's so easy. What, are you, what is everyone whinging about? <laughs> and that's an interesting thing because I found every other journey we've been on has been an elimination diet where we ended up having to eliminate more and more and more oh, really? and it became more and more hopeless. But with gaps, you start off with nothing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> every day is a joy because you're bringing in more and oh. more things well, it is. food that we hadn't been able to eat. Every food. time we brought in a new food on intro, my kids were like, party time, they're so yeah, excited. <laughs> I love pumpkin. I love eggs. <laughs> pumpkin pancakes are awesome. Oh, I've got to tell you this. It was so funny. My um, Our friends had a had my – they're always having my kids over. They're kind of like out their second family. They've yeah. got 11 kids and they never notice if there's more. So <laughs> one of my – Isaac – Isaac was over there the other day staying the night and um, the father came to me the next day and he said it was so funny. He said he makes his own food when he's there if there's not something that he can eat. They'll just say, well, what you know, here's the meat and veggies and he just goes and cooks something. That's wonderful. And um, he got the red cabbage out of the fridge and he was slicing it up and um, the dad walked past him and he said, he, he said I couldn't stop giggling because I could hear him going, oh, yum, 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 yum. <laughs> as he sliced up the red cabbage. <laughs> I mean, what 13-year-old does that? <laughs> he thought it was hilarious. And I, said, well, I said, well, what did he do with it? And he said, oh, he fried it up with onions and carrots and I don't know. He said the carrots he cut a bit thick and so they were crunchy, but he's going, it's okay. Carrots are good crunchy. I don't mind them crunchy. <laughs> he's just so positive about it all. I don't know. I, my son is hilarious. He, you know, he couldn't eat veggies. He, had, um, he used to eat rice. With rice milk and a oh, sprinkling boy. of sugar, and that was his meal every single day for five yeah. years. It was just awful. And um, but he, you know, the veggies—you couldn't even get him to try a veggie. He yeah. would clamp his mouth shut because he had this, um, you know, experience of yeah. food phobia of them. Yeah, but now he he gets so excited. Oh, butternut! Yes, butternut, <laughs> roast butternut. This voice That's that comes kids. out of him is like That's it's hilarious. hilarious. I know, he just loves his veggies and broccoli. We go to the, the shop, the shops, and he's like, "Mom, look how much broccoli there is." <laughs> really? I think people must think our kids are from another planet when they haven't been through this same yeah, sort exactly. of process. But honestly, for all of the, those of you out there listening who have kids that hate veggies or have you know terrible issues with food and pickiness, yes. um, Gaps is amazing in the way it helps with that. It really uh-huh. is. You know, I always say to people, because they say, yeah, it's all right for you because your kids will eat veggies, but my kids are too fussy. And I'm like, no, no, no. (laughs) If my son can do it, anybody can. It's going to kill him and would clamp his mouth. If he can learn to eat veggies, then anybody can. And it is the most thrilling, thrilling experience for a mother to be able to nourish her children with vegetables. It really is the most thrilling experience. So um, I think we got through one step there. (laughs) 
<laughs> Sorry. So, time. Okay, next one. <laughs> yes, moving along. <laughs> Do you have another? Would you, did you have more? Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Oh, wait. What were we? Oh, yeah. um, I think you were going to give us some steps towards. Oh, steps. Sorry. You're okay. <laughs> you were waiting for me and I was waiting for you. Um, yes. Yeah, so the broth is the first step. Yeah. Um, the fermented uh, vegetables mm-hmm. is the next thing that you would try. Um, and the good thing about them is they take time to ferment. So you really do have time on your side when it yes. comes to fermenting veggies. There's lots of recipes on the internet. You can do it either with. Um, Whey, whey liquid with a vegetable starter or just with salt if you're using organic cabbages mm-hmm. um, and to give it a go you know give it a go and, and often when you start these things uh, the first batch uh, fails <laughs> it gets mauled <laughs> on the top and you have to throw it away and try again but as long as you have removed the clock um, then all of this mm. is just learning experiences oh, it's that's not really good I think that's so important yeah don't be I, so important that's humans do that we we live by the clock and the minute you remove that clock you feel this massive weight off your shoulders that's so true Um, yeah and even actually uh i would suggest that uh one of those steps is um a commercial probiotic Mm -hmm. not the ones that you can buy from the chemist because they have three two or three strains in it and Mm reason you would have a commercial probiotic is to reintroduce strains that are missing from our society like plantarum and um so those soil probiotics that we no longer have in our soil um um, so i would look for a probiotic um that has between six and eleven strains in it and a lot of people feel immediate mental health relief from these broad spectrum probiotics so have you got any brands that you could mention yeah, we use a brand called BioCult. It was the mm-hmm. original kind of one that I think Natasha Campbell McBride, yes. who wrote the Gaps book, developed. I know it's got some fillers in it now. It's not 100% brilliant anymore. It was 100% brilliant before, mm-hmm. but we, we've had massive improvements on it. A really gentle one is um, Gut Pro. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's Custom Probiotics. Um, and then there's another brand that's really good, which is called Seeking Health. Mm-hmm. They do a wonderful 11-strand probiotic as well. Where do you get these from? Just go online and search. Yeah, yeah. You have to get them all from online, and they're expensive. You need to be prepared for that, that they yeah. cost a fortune because they are so broad spectrum. Mm. But when you start on them, you just literally, you don't start by taking two tablets twice a day. You start by opening a capsule and maybe sprinkling a little bit in your food mm. and seeing how that goes down for three days, you know, um, doing that once a day for three days and then maybe if you not noticed any um, adverse reactions um, because probiotics will kill off bad bacteria in your gut and that can make you feel a bit unwell, then you up it to half a tablet or a whole tablet and you just take it slowly. Just the same as starting sauerkrauts and things, you've got to take that very slowly. And even with broth, I recommend starting broth slowly, building it up. And um, probably starting with less time for cooking as well. Yeah, absolutely. So broth, um, a lot of people launch straight into the bone broths, which are um, very, very nutritious, but the actual bone matter is very difficult to digest. And if you've got gut trouble um, and mental health trouble, then something that's really difficult to digest is going to cause problems. Mm. So start with meat stocks for cook for an hour and a half, you know, if that. Um, If you have amine, histamine, salicylate trouble, cook Mm. them for five minutes, you know, and and then freeze the broth. Always have it from frozen. Just um, be gentle with your body. And So you wouldn't recommend putting your broths in the fridge for up to a week like they say you can? 
I absolutely would if you know that you don't have trouble with amines and histamine. Okay. So it's more, yeah, that kind of yeah, thing. So, but if you're coming from a fail-safe kind of a diet or an elimination diet um, where you react to histamines and foods mm. or proteins, then those, um, uh, those will they grow. You know, you can't have leftover meat. You can't have uh, leftover broth. So uh, it doesn't mean that you can't do this. It just means you have to freeze everything. Freeze it and, and have Start it fresh. fresh. Yeah. Don't eat leftover meats, you know. And, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of people who are being diagnosed with those kinds of issues. There is. I get those questions a lot. Yeah. So it doesn't mean gaps isn't for you. It just means you have to adjust. Yeah. Yeah. And it even doesn't mean you have to do gaps. Just go back to the beginning again. We're not mm. suggesting yeah. everything. Um, everyone needs to do, to do gaps. Just yeah. If you're going to have broth. And broth, um, I don't know if we explained why broth is so good. There's, um, Maybe you should. We, I mean, we've talked about it on other podcasts, but this okay. needs to stand alone, so that's good. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so broth, um, broth, only home-cooked broth, not the broth that you buy in shops. The broth that you buy in shops has been pasteurized and refined and flavored, and there's no goodness in it and no value to your body in it. Simple as that. Um, as they say, the longer the shelf life, the shorter the human life. Yeah. <laughs> if you... Um, if you're making broth at home, um, one of the important things is to always use organic. Um, yeah. And even if it's expensive, and there's a good reason for this, it's because animals that are um, farmed non-organic have a lot of hormones and a lot of toxins in their diet. And animals tend to um, pull those toxins into their bones, mm. and that's where they store them. Okay, So organic animals have almost no toxins in their bones. And what you're using is you're using the collagen and the gelatin that comes from around the ligaments and the bones mm-hmm. to heal because those two things, collagen and gelatin, have enzymes in them which cause rapid healing, mm. rapid, a rapid regeneration of cells, in particular the cells that are in your gut lining. Yeah. So when you drink broth, your gut lining will heal twice as fast. And that's why people will start drinking broth and they will feel an almost immediate relief of some symptoms mm. because it's fortifying that gut. The gut lining will then come away after 10 days and it help, will have grown back a little bit stronger. Mm-hmm. And then you drink the broth, it fortifies your gut, helps you get through. Um, the fat in the broth helps to heal and seal the gut as it's healing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a process that takes a long time um, because we have 60 feet worth of gut. <laughs> but um, they've now started even prescribing broth to sports teams to help the players recover quicker from injuries oh, that's it, good yeah it's that powerful you know mm. um, it's you just got to think about it as, as speeding up the healing mm. um, that's why we that's why we drink broth yeah yeah it's good thank you so we've got so we've been talking about time we've talked about broth and the um, probiotic foods like yeah. sauerkraut and um, then i I would say you would want to also introduce if you if you don't struggle with dairy, fermented dairy would be mm. the, the third critical healing food. So what we're saying is, in order to help your body to start feeling better, think about the things you can bring in rather than the things you have to take out. Yeah. So don't worry about the sugars and the grains and all of those things at the start. Yeah. The start. Yeah. They are. And you know what? That's probably what is most overwhelming anyway. Yes, it is. For people to think about not having bread, not having any sweets, not having any baking. Their coffee with milk. Coffee with milk, yeah. The things that actually make you mentally cope during the day. Mm. Chocolate and coffee. Yeah, chocolate and coffee (laughs) and tea. Tea. And then you know what you do is you bring these three healing foods in and you start to feel better. And then you're kind of fortifying yourself to think, well, 
What can Let I me look at the quality of the chocolate that I'm eating yeah. and the quality of the coffee that I'm drinking. And yes. you start, you know, looking at maybe I could have a, a dark chocolate instead of a dairy milk chocolate, which mm. is really full of rubbish. And the dark chocolates have less sugar in it and less dairy in it. So, um, mm. so let's try that, you know, and see if I can wean myself onto that, that chocolate. And you mm. just start. Um, I've seen it so often. People they they they're so convinced that they can't possibly do this. Yeah, and then they start and then they end up um, thinking about every single thing that's going into their bodies. And the reason you start thinking about that is because your body's telling you to. That's right. You start, your body starts to tell you what you need. You crave that, good food. Yeah. And you know what? It's that um, it's things like salt. You know, we're told mm. we must eat refined salt, and that's true. You shouldn't eat refined salt. But if you want to have mineral salt that's full of magnesium, which we are all depleted in, mm. and, and the trace minerals, copper and zinc and um calcium then go and buy some pink himalayan salt and use it as much as you want on your food yeah and you will feel uh, when my kids were on intro my daughter um grabbed the salt and started eating it (laughs) (laughs) she also started eating eggshells oh dear (laughs) so obviously needed something (laughs) depleted in calcium hence eggshells it only lasted a day or two yeah Um, her body was telling her that she needed the minerals that were in the salt and she um and when I asked about it um, with the other mums who'd been through it, they were like, it's a good thing. Let her go. Let her oh, have it as wow. much as she Because um, raw salt and um, unrefined salt is, has the complete opposite health, health outcome that refined salt exactly. has. Exactly. And that's what I try to tell my husband because he's like, you, you can't be having so much salt. And I'm like, no, no, this is good salt. Yeah, this is actually, yeah. It's ironic, isn't it, that yeah. refined salt will destroy your heart health and mineral salt will restore your heart health they have the two opposite outcomes yep it's been like milk if you you were starting to talk about dairy maybe you should mention that there with um pasteurized milk and yeah so that's an interesting thing that um it took me a little while to get my head around raw milk Mm. because the campaign against it has been so successful yeah but um and, and again um i have to say that if Woolworths started selling raw milk i wouldn't touch it with a barge pole yeah the raw milk that I'm talking about is from organic farmers who have pastured their cows. So the cows are eating grass. They don't have hormones in them. Um, they only eat grass. Uh, mm. So they are digesting the grass as they should. Um, there's no infections in their stomach from grains getting stuck in little pockets, mm-hmm. causing um, infection. And the milk that comes out of a cow like that mm. is essential for human health. Mm. Uh, we just don't have access to that milk. That's it. Um, yeah, so um So what would you recommend for people who live in the city and can't get that kind of milk? I mean, where uh, I live, people have their own cows half the time. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we did growing up. I use the bath milk, the um okay. the bath milk that they sell in health food stores. Those they say not for human consumption mm-hmm. and the stores aren't aren't allowed to sell raw milk in Australia for human consumption. Mm-hmm. But it is not illegal for me to choose to buy it and drink it. Right. And I've done all my research on it and um and I'm I'm perfectly within my legal rights to okay. um, to go and and buy raw milk and consume it and to give it to my children and the um, the trick is to research the farms that you're buying it from. Yeah. So um, Heavenly Bath Milk is a, a milk that I choose. I, I then have a raw cream as well that is just wonderful. Oh, wow. Yeah, and we make. We're in sour- Brisbane, aren't you? We're in Brisbane. Yeah, and but in every state you can get it. Um, and okay. there's always what I've noticed is that these farmers who sell this milk. Um, they're so they're so good. They test the milk on the premises. It's mm. 
bottled in a really healthy way. They don't sell it in bulk. You know, it's it's controlled and it's mm. yeah. So that's what I would do. And we've started um, ordering that and making up yogurt, not pasteurizing them, or just making the yogurt from mm. raw. Yeah, um, and so, what, with kefir or. Uh, I do kefir and I do, um, I get a yogurt starter and I literally pour my milk into my bottles, add my starter and put it in to, uh, we use a dehydrator, but you can use an oven, you can use a cooler box which, mm-hmm. with hot water, um, other glasses of hot water in there. What temperature? Um, uh, between 35 and 50. Mm-hmm. It'll ferment beautifully. And you, um, raw milk always ferments but differently to pasteurized milk. You know, it's never a, 100% the texture of it. But Okay put it in smoothies and we eat it every afternoon. And then um, we um, also, um, yeah, the kefir we also make on raw milk. Um, and I struggle with dairy kefir. I think there's something, a yeast in the kefir that uh, I react to. Okay. But funnily enough, I use the same grains on coconut milk okay. and no reaction whatsoever. So you just have to, again, that, Took me a long time to get my head around, and I would get uh, mental health symptoms from the kefir. Funnily enough, um, oh. the other oh, that was the thing I was going to tell you. Mm. Um, I accidentally ingested pasteurized milk the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd ordered a chai latte on coconut milk, and they brought me the wrong drink. They brought me hot chocolate okay. on cream milk, and I I drank half of it. <laughs> it was so delicious. <laughs> what I was doing and then I asked the guy I said is this on milk and he was like oh yeah sorry I brought you the wrong coffee I'm like oh no no. within two hours my arms had gone heavy like lead Mm. I had chronic fatigue symptoms Mm. and I had um kind of a ragey anger and um depression symptoms and exhaustion and it was affected you so quickly so quickly and it lasted for two days but the funny thing was it was really good to know because I had been eating such a clean diet that mm. pasteurized dairy can do that to me. Whereas unpasteurized dairy, I eat a lot of unpasteurized cheeses and yeah. milks, um, have no impact whatsoever. Wow. So again, it's like the salt. You've got refined salt and you've got the unrefined salt. You can have two completely different outcomes. And yeah. that's because of the enzymes in the unpasteurized milk are actually pre-digested um, Sorry, the I think the the casein or the lactose is pre-digested. The enzymes exist for help for human health. You know, mm. um, they're good for your brain development. All that beautiful animal fat and those things are so good for your um, for your gut and your brain. And um, once we once we've pasteurized it and homogenized it, we've removed all of that stuff. And so mm. there's no thinking it. There's really no goodness in it. Even the calcium doesn't go to the right place in your body when you drink pasteurized milk. Yeah. And, but incredibly, my son as well was anaphylactic to pasteurized milk mm. and could tolerate raw milk. Yeah. And that's an incredible that's thing. That's amazing, isn't it? You know? Yeah. So, so how – well, your case is different really with anaphylaxis, but um, with most people, they can bring in that um, – the GAPS yogurt pretty early. Yeah. Yeah, if they tolerate dairy. If you don't tolerate dairy, there's a process – um, yeah, to introducing right. to build up your tolerance, and the process starts with uh, ghee, which is a clarified butter that doesn't have milk solids in it anymore, and then you move on to the whey from the yogurt, and then mm-hmm. the yogurt, and then uh, the sour cream, then the kefir, and then the cheese in that order. That's what I wanted to ask you cheese. Yeah. Um, what kind of cheeses are not pasteurized, and can you find them in just regular grocery stores? 
sometimes it's tricky. The one that you can always find in the regular grocery stores is Parmesan, actually. Okay. Yeah, you just have to look on the label and it'll always say unpasteurized. And most Parmesans are unpasteurized. Okay. Um, you can often find Roquefort, which is actually a sheep's milk cheese. What's it called? Um, Roquefort. Okay. It's a French blue cheese. Yep. Um, there's also other cheeses. I found this little company called smellycheese.com.au. <laughs> <laughs> You can go online there and you can search against unpasteurized cheeses and order them. Um, they are pricey because it's um, you, they're allowed to import unpasteurized cheeses into Australia, okay. but we aren't yet allowed to make them ourselves. Mm. Um, so that's coming soon because that's anti-competitive. So I'm sure that you'll find that fairly soon. There's yeah. a massive lobby now, even from cheesemakers, to be able to produce the unpasteurized cheeses because mm. they taste better. Okay. Um, so you can order uh, cheeses online and um, – yeah, and those those are the two that I stick to. The kids, I give them an organic pasteurized cheese. Mm-hmm. I think it's called Organic Dairy Farmers is the, okay. the brand of the cheese. And they both cope beautifully on that. They don't have um, any symptoms. Um, but I, if I have organic pasteurized cheese, I don't get the weird chronic fatigue, depression yeah. symptoms, but I do get run out as my nose gets snotty. Yeah, that's what I find. Sneezing. Yeah. I'm just wondering if there's anything I'm – Obviously, we live in a small country town and my kids love cheese. Yeah. So I'm just wondering if there's anything I can get locally that, I mean, besides Parmesan. Uh, you'd uh, have to have a look. And, you'd have to find out. You know what? You can make your own cheese as well. That's what I need to do. <laughs> I, I, was, I, I wanted cheddar and I want unpasteurized cheddar, so I went and looked at it and it looks like a bit of a process. Mm. It'd be fun, I think. It'd be fun. To... Science experiment for the kids, homeschooling. One, another thing that I do all the time is um, – Often my raw milk, you know, will separate too much. There'll be too much whey compared mm. to the curds. And I just drain those through a, um, a, a what are those Not called? Bag. A bag almost, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, drain all the whey off and you keep the whey for fermenting your vegetables. But yeah. if you drain it for, I think, at least six hours, you end up with this beautiful cream cheese. Yes. Just blend it with um, some garlic chives and lemon mm. and salt and pepper and have that on some almond bread. And, yeah, oh, lovely. Carrots, um, and I, I do that fairly regularly now. And there, you've got an unpasteurized cheese, you know, and that's with your raw milk yogurt. Yes, with my raw milk. Okay, yogurt. and you can do that with kefir cream as you well. Can do it with kefir. Actually, kefir cheese is really nice. So we yeah. do, I just went to a Jude Bureau four day workshop in Perth. Lucky woman. Awesome. <laughs> I know. I love Jude. Oh, and we, <laughs> and for the first time, I had um, the kefir cream. Yeah, and yeah. I coped with it really well. Well and done. That's awesome. I know. Yeah. And also the cheese. So yeah. I was really, because that was, you know, I, I probably had it over three days, three yeah. times or so. Yeah. And um, Joe, I that's wonderful. I know. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, and I'm not sure, now and then I get a bit of a stuffy nose and I'm not sure if it's from having cheeses, but the cheeses we're having at home are not um, pasteurized. Yeah, the stuffy nose would be from the cheeses. And my yeah. advice is just to have it uh, start off again. Go yeah. very slowly. Start off with it once a week and then mm. gradually increase it to twice a week. The problem with cheese is it's addictive. I know. <laughs> and you and once you have it, you want to keep having it. The kids especially. You just want it all day, yeah. Cheese is a tricky one that to That was hold. one of the hard ones to take them off of at the start. And now that they've got it back, there's no giving it up, mum. <laughs> and I've noticed with my kids as well, even on that um, organic cheddar, that if they have it every single day, my son's dust allergies definitely. Okay, yeah. So we just – Take it slowly. 
Yeah, he used to he used to get touched by cheese and end up in hospital. So oh. you know, he can have it six times out of seven days. I'm I'm okay with that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. That's awesome. Um was there any other things that you think we should know about putting into healing things that you can put into your diet or life? Um, what you will find that is you start with those three and those will be your foundations. Yeah. And as long as you always have those three in your diet, they will always bring the health benefits with them. Yeah. Anything that you add to that will bring more healing, but not in the same level and to okay. the same degree as those three foods. So I always say focus on those three. And once you focus on those, you will start uh, investigating and learning and educating yourself about your other food choices. Okay, so the broths, the fermented foods, and the fermented dairy. Yeah. And also the probiotics, which you do. Yeah, and the commercial probiotics, I think, are really important to have in there as well. Mm. Okay. Yeah, because they bring things that are missing. Yeah. That we can't get anymore. And you did mention time as well, so there's five. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Turn the clocks off. (laughs) Yeah. In your head. <laughs> That's definitely true. So um, one of the questions I get a lot is how can I sort of hack gaps so that I don't have to do it properly? So this really answers that. It does, um, yeah. This even, is your if, gaps hack. even if you're not starting gaps and you're not won't going to do it properly but you want some healing and you're not going to take out a heap of stuff but you start putting these things in, like you say, your body will start to tell you um, yeah. what you need to do with food and exactly. things that – Things that you thought were fine will start being not so great and you want to yeah, change yeah. them around. And you'll notice, so the, the three things that you bring in for the healing, um, those are your gaps hacks. Those are yeah. They bring healing on their own, but they will never bring 100% healing until you've removed the, the, the things that feed Irritate. the bad parts. Mm. Yeah. So long-term, down the road, you know how we've turned the clock off, we're not even thinking yes. about <laughs> You're going to, once you start feeling really well, you're going to want to take refined sugar out of your diet. Yeah. And then you're going to want to take grains out of your diet. Mm. But like I said, that sometimes is really, um, that's a bridge too far for so many people. And I understand. So don't think about it at the start. Don't think about it, man. And when you get to the point where your body wants that out, you'll take it out, you know, you'll give it a go and then you'll see how incredible you feel. And And I think for me, it was definitely a long, like I look back and I started the journey maybe 10, 11 years ago. And I started with taking gluten and wheat out, but slowly like I still had spelt yes and then I slowly went to gluten-free mostly and then I started adding in some grain-free now and then I'd still have spelt but mostly gluten-free and a bit of grain-free and then it became all gluten-free and a bit of grain-free and then it slowly went to grain-free yeah (laughs) it's not funny the journey hey because but there's something very important that I want to say about food in general um and that's why I never really Start people who are um, struggling with the idea. I never tell them to take something out of their no. diet. Food is actually never the problem. I'm glad you said that. I wanted to talk about that. Go. Yeah. Yes. So there's 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 two ways of thinking about this. Okay. Food is not the problem. It's what we've done to the food yeah. that is the problem. That's right. So that's what you'll find you'll start to become more mindful of. So when you want to have grains, you will have organic grains or you will have ancient grains and yeah. things that are easier to digest. That's the first and point. And well-prepared so that they are digestible. Exactly. So that's why sourdough is so brilliant because it's yeah. pre-digesting mm-hmm. the stuff that's really hard to digest and that's why um, we allow it back on. Um, and the second point is, um, and, and, you know, that's a, a hard thing to get your head around because – uh, when you've come from elimination diets, fail-safe, mm. RPAH elimination diet, you are told that food is the problem. Yeah. Um, and that's where I disagree. That's where me and um, – Yeah, I totally agree with you. people part ways. And, you know, going to Jude's 
workshops really reinforced all of that for me. Yeah. That yeah. we should be able to handle these foods, but only if they're traditional foods, not exactly. what she exactly. calls it, matrix, <laughs> the matrix, matrix version. Yeah, version. I would call it matrix food as well, and I agree 100%. The second point to also be very, very mindful of is that because then you'll be like, well, how come they can handle wheat and I can't? Yes. Uh, it's not just the food, um, what we've done to the food that is the problem, but in combination with our digestive health. Yeah. If you have a shocking microbiome, you're not going to be able to digest that food. And when you do digest it, you're going to create all sorts of weird chemicals like casomorphine and speed-like chemicals mm-hmm. that affect mental health. Um, and that's something um, they've done a, a fair bit of scientific research now, which actually proves that especially autistic kids digest dairy and wheat pasteurized dairy and crappy wheat into those two chemicals that cause symptoms um, that cause brain fog um, and that that cause also symptoms that look a lot like ADHD. So you've got these these two chemicals running around in these kids' brains, um, you know, and it's just coming from the digestive tract being unhealthy Mm -hmm. and not being able to digest that food properly. Yeah. So, yeah, Um, when when we were on failsafe, we were told to avoid salicylates and I always remember being told, um, there's things in the fruit and veg that humans shouldn't be eating. And actually, it's, I now understand it's the rubbish. So lipids are very important because what they do is they push a detox. Uh-huh. If you are toxic and if you've got a leaky gut, you are toxic. Yeah. It means all the toxins that you eat are not going through your liver and out through your stool and um, urine. They are going into your bloodstream mm. and your muscles are soaking them up and your eyeballs are soaking them up. Yeah. You have a salicylate food. And it triggers a detox. Mm-hmm. And a person with a healthy gut, that's good. It gives your liver a break. It helps your body to, you know, just get rid of any toxins that are residual. If you are toxic and you eat a salicylate, uh, it triggers a detox, but you are so toxic that suddenly you have eczema breaking out all yes. over your skin, headaches, yeah. um, you know, mental exhaustion. exhaustion. And that's because that food triggered a toxic, a toxic release mm. exactly as it should as yep. it was designed to do. So the problem is your gut, not mm-hmm. the food. Mm. That's so good. We should mm. probably end on that um, because we've gone over an hour, but it's just amazing to me. I just feel like I'm learning so much more over the last year than in all the years put together before this. <laughs> yeah, I've had that same experience with gaps. Oh. My whole life has changed because like, I have this education now. <laughs> but it's like everything was pointing towards this stuff, but it just took me so long to actually get a grip on it and understand it a bit more. And every time I talk to people like you, I just think, wow, why didn't I understand this before? And it's, <laughs> it's just so important to get this knowledge out there that there is hope. Yep. If you have anxiety and depression, there is hope. There is ways to work on it to get your body um working together better and healthy so that it can cope with things in life. Yeah, um, yeah. And there's just like so many people saying food is like you, you get the whole range of people saying food is not the problem so eat whatever you want yes. um, and just take medication. Or there's the whole food is the problem so don't eat that for the rest of your life. But we don't want to do either of those. We want We want to eat the real food that our body understands and copes with and was designed for, yes. but we've got to get our gut to the stage where it can handle that. Handle it, yeah. And um, then, yeah, there's big changes. It's a hopeful way, isn't it? It is. It's, and it just makes me so happy to see the changes in our family's health and also in people like you that it's just so encouraging. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So and I just, I'd want to encourage people who are overwhelmed by the idea of it, that both Joe and I took a long time. Long to time. Get, yeah. It's a journey. <laughs> yeah. And it's not, it's not a tomorrow kind of a thing. Yeah. yeah. And just, yeah, just keep that in mind. The time, the whole time thing is not really what you want to be focusing on. That's, that's what will stop you. Yeah, we'll stop on that. But um, thank you, everybody, for listening. And if you have questions for Mary, because she is absolutely chock-a-block full of information and help and encouragement and awesomeness, um, <laughs> you should totally go to her Facebook page, which is Good Mood Food. She also has the best website with so many great recipes and lots and lots and lots of research. Um, I noticed actually something on your Facebook page this week that was really helpful, and it was talking about how food is not the problem and the – latest research um on gluten and yes. how it um even if you don't have celiac disease they've they finally decided yes you can be affected by gluten even if you don't have the celiac disease You're not making it up we're not yeah. making it up <laughs> uh, and so it's good to see the research catching up with the, um what we already know. have observed in our own lives and bodies yeah. Um, because some people will not listen to that. They'll only listen to the research. <laughs> but, it's, yeah, it is good that they're finally really trying to work all this out and it, it takes time. Oh, we're heading towards an age where um, we will treat our health issues with bacteria, not medicine. Yeah. That's yeah. what I believe. Yeah. I think so too. Okay. Well, um, please ask questions if you have them and if you have more in-depth questions for Mary, maybe we can do another podcast down the track. So just contact me either on my Facebook page, Quirky Cooking. Um, you can you can also leave comments on thewellnesscouch.com backslash a quirky journey or you can um, send me an email via my website, Quirky Cooking. And we would love to hear from you. So thank you so much for listening and we hope you got lots out of it. Please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and there's lots more podcasts available on thewellnesscouch.com and just keep working on those small changes little by little and we'll be back to share more of our journeys with you next week. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks so much, Mary. No worries. Thanks, Joe. Bye. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.